What are three pieces of advice you would give somebody who wants to start their own journey? Do it your way. Don't hurry. It's not about miles. People ask me always, how many miles do you do a day? And many riders, they collect miles. But it's their way. If you want to really enjoy it, take your time. That's the biggest advice. But everybody's a little bit different, so just do not follow anybody else's footprints. Do your own. Don't plan too much, it will work out. Be strong, leave your sofa, <laughs> and the warm television. You won't need it and you won't miss it. Phoenix Bakery in Chinatown, Los Angeles, with Frederick, who rode from Calgary this leg of his journey. But what, what your whole journey has lasted for a year? Yes, I started last October, and I flew over to Australia. Mm -hmm. and from, I crossed it, actually, from Darwin to Sydney. Mm -hmm. It was the first part of the trip. Da from Darwin is on the which coast? Darwin is north coast. I wanted to cross it through the center, but obviously it was too hot, it was summer there. So I went to the Queensland coast and followed the coast down to Sydney. Wow, the co so the coast of Australia, nice? Very nice, beautiful beaches. I mean, the outback is also very nice, but after a month, you have seen it. <laughs> Looks kind of the same everywhere, long road. Red sand. <laughs> this is Julie. Julie, uh, I was riding with Julie from the Street Librarians Ride, and she said we n had to interview Frederick. And then once we found out, he, this is the last day of your tour for your year-long tour. It is. She said we had to get coffees. So, Julie, do you, what? What made you say that this had to happen? Oh, I just feel like Frederick probably has a lot of interesting stories to share, um, having been on a bike for a year, mm -hmm. and people that he's met, and uh, and especially with the maybe the political climate, you've seen some things. I don't know. <laughs> oh, that's actually funny. <laughs> Many people were worried that America would lose its good reputation, so they were always asking what my opinion is and. I try not to be political. <laughs> I always tell them, we used to have a stupid present as well. When was that? Actually, almost every time. <laughs> but our biggest clown was for sure Berlusconi. I'm from Italy. Uh, everybody in Italy was complaining about him, but they voted for him. That's what happens. Well, they compare ours to him. I'm not sure. It's a long while that I've been to Italy. Well, it's a <laughs> businessman who wants to yes. make things good yes. for other business. It's kind of similar. So Definitely. Yeah, I didn't realize you were from Italy. Did you realize that? Uh, I did not. No. Because you said. I was wondering, yeah. though. I was curious because of your accent. I didn't, I didn't sound very. <laughs> It's not a typically Italian accent, I would say. Yeah. Uh, I've been uh, living and working in Austria for a couple of years. And I grew up in the northern part of Italy. It's called the Dolomites. <laughs> Very close to Switzerland and Austria. Might explain the accent. 
Yeah, that sounds, yeah, there's a bit of a Swiss, uh, Swissness. <laughs> um, okay, so I, so where are you going then? You, you're going, you're on your way to Pasadena? It's the last day. It's the last day. Yeah. Um, I will stay with some friends. I met them almost three months ago up in Glacier National Park. They were cycling from east to west and I was cycling from north to south, so we crossed <laughs> past. And you were saying something about the Four Corners and the Rockies and your trip from Calgary and... Oh, yes. So... So you flew to Calgary. I flew to Calgary. Which is in Canada, for everybody who doesn't know that. <laughs> I, I had to... I, I was almost... Google. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny. The original plan was to cross America from um, Toronto to LA. Uh, and I cycled actually around the Great Lakes. But I didn't really enjoy it after a week. It was just flat and farmland. And I realized it's going to be another 3,000 miles of flat farmland. <laughs> So in Detroit, I decided to, to fly over to Calgary. Mm -hmm. And there I followed the Great Divide mm -hmm. down to Colorado, trying to go through as many natural parks as possible to see the beautiful nature that the states have to offer. Um, so the Great Divide, is that, what's that like? Actually, you don't realize that is that you are high up in the mountains because it's it's plains and someone when a mountain sticks out but you always at least 3000 to 4000 feet high up the nights are sometimes pretty chilly the skies are close <laughs> they're closer you are closer to the clouds of course uh, nights are beautiful with all the stars out, especially when you come more south in the desert. Wonderful. I mean, up north, the nights were so short that I couldn't see the stars. It was springtime, and the sun lasted till till late evening, almost twelve, and I got up very early all the time, at six in the morning, <laughs> long riding days, but beautiful though. Um, so you spent a lot of time sleeping outside? Definitely. I think from Calgary to California, I just slept one time indoors, was camping all the time, and when possible, I... I love to sleep just in the woods, but there were so many campgrounds. That's really a great thing in the States. Good so, facilities everywhere. So the campgrounds, there's a certain kind of campground that you stay at, right? How do you know what is a suitable one for you? Hmm. I didn't know. Uh, I just went as far as I could go one day and hoping that this campground would be okay. It always was, somehow. <laughs> Luckily, at busy sites in the parks, 
they have hiker biker sites and that's a great thing because you don't have to worry about availability and vacancy right because most hiker bike campsites are usually uh, there's free yeah. campground open um so have you met a lot of interesting people <laughs> yes definitely besides us of course <laughs> The people were very helpful, I have to say. Um, they respected me a lot on the street. Drivers are great. Um, I got offered water and food often, and just encouraging talks <laughs> from time to time. Was great people, I have to say. <laughs> what about your preparations? What did you bring on your bike? Too much stuff, as you can see. <laughs> Most of the riders they are carrying less, but I like to go slow and comfortable. So I have like a big tent, I'm carrying a camp chair, sometimes I want to sit down, have a coffee. I bring an Italian mocha machine. Oh really? <laughs> a mocha machine? Yes, a little espresso. Oh. We call it mocha. Mm -hmm. Is there chocolate in the coffee? No chocolate, oh. just coffee. <laughs> what kind of, you got? so you got four pannier bags? And, um, and another duffel bag mm -hmm. on top, the rear rack. You can see that one, the front pannier is red. This one got stolen one time. That's my food bag. Oh. And when I was camping out in the Indian reservation at night, um, a wild dog came and took the food bag, silently. A dog? A dog. Because they have many wild dogs, they don't feed them so much, so the dogs leave and become wild, and they find their food. Huh. <laughs> so you got it back from the dog? No, that is a new bag. <laughs> That's a Walmart backpack. <laughs> Resourceful. Yeah. And what kind of bike is it? This is a bike that I put together back home. It's no special brand. The, um, the frame is uh, from an Italian little family company called Revel. It's a great frame, I'm happy with that one. And the rest is just what I tried out and put together by myself. What were you looking for? I wanted a fast road bike that was strong enough to carry all the weight. So it's a road bike geometry. Um, the frame is titanium actually, which is a great material. It is as tough as steel, but it's much lighter. It does not rust and it's elastical, so it absorbs also some of the vibrations. And I like to ride with front shocks. Everybody was saying they will break down. They never broke down. And I always have them on the soft setting. <laughs> uh, Does that not make it slower? I don't think so. Okay. What, what makes it slower is all the weight, actually. Right. But since you're riding eight hours every day, you like to be comfortable. And how far do you go in that eight hours usually? I try to average 60 miles a day. Sometimes I have good days, 
some tailwind and it's gonna be more sometimes less sometimes I have a day off so with the traveling for the whole time that you've been traveling that year how many miles have you traveled from Calgary down here it has been 6,000 kilometers I think that's about what's that 4,000 miles almost and the whole trip was 15,000 kilometers so 9,000 and something miles <laughs> and what gave you this idea that's the very best question I think many people were asking me that on the way but they were asking it in a different manner they were saying what made you do that <laughs> why would you <laughs> they thought it's something painful horrible maybe I was collecting money for for blind kids but no I'm not <laughs> uh, I just found out that I like riding bikes and I like traveling but the way I'm doing it requires time and what I wanted to do did not fit in the holidays I had at work and so everything in my life was just ready for that I broke up with my relationship so I was basically free when you have to care about somebody you can't leave I mean parents, kids, partners so I was actually free. My job was nice, but after a few years, it's not so interesting anymore. I realized, no, I'm, I'm going to do that now. I might just leave for a year and travel the world, <laughs> have a good time. And so what are, what's one of the most memorable experiences that you've had writing? The, the, yeah, one of the most. I can remember almost every sunset that I looked at during this whole year. <laughs> the most beautiful one was in the outback when I ran out of water and I decided that I'm gonna cycle <laughs> through the night because <laughs> it was cooler. That was great. Or yeah, great memories. <laughs> was that dangerous? I mean, how how were you far from water? Yeah, it was supposed to be a two days journey, and I just had to do it in one day and a half. <laughs> and since the nights were cooler, I decided just to ride on, and yeah, it was okay. <laughs> The other big thing was when my bike got stolen. <laughs> That's this an incredible bike? story, this bike. And that was just a couple of days ago, actually. Where was that? It was in Oakhurst. I just came down from um, Yosemite through Mariposa, and then I went to Oakhurst. I went to an official campground just to get finally a shower <laughs> and I locked my bike and yeah, I went to bed my neighbors they they had a party so I, I couldn't sleep for a while 
but when I finally slept, um, I slept very deeply. Usually you can hear everything what's going on, but in this case there was a river next by, making this constant noise, and as I woke up in the morning my bike was gone. The only thing I could see were some footprints, and I followed them. I followed them to a scrapyard, and unfortunately I saw some fresh tires of a truck or car moving out, so I thought, okay, the bike is gone. I called the sheriff. The sheriff was very, very helpful. He tried to note down everything, and but I was convinced I'm gonna get a report and, yeah, I mean, what, what can he do? He won't find my bike, but he would try, he said. Luckily, the day later, the camp host found my bike down the river in the bushes. They had thrown it there and emptied all the panniers, so my stuff was gone, but the bike was back. I was super happy, and then I just realized, oh, I'm gonna go in town, buy some things, the things are missing, like a tube, a pump, tools, and a stove, pots, they're, they're taking everything. My passport was gone. I was too stupid, I left the, the panniers on the bike, usually put them inside the tent, but I, I thought it was safe, little country town, campground, official campground. Well, I bought the stuff, and then I realized they even took my cycling shorts. And he, and he shorts with the padding and you know, I went back to the bicycle store and at the counter I saw a guy wearing my swimming trousers. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> yeah, I took out my cell phone trying to get pictures of him secretly and his face as well. Then I asked the, the owner of the shop if he knew him. He already knew the story because I've been there earlier. And I told him, he's wearing my, my shorts. <laughs> he called the sheriff. Actually, they arrested him. Oh they opened his backpack with my passport inside, oh my, God. my stuff inside. <laughs> and there was another guy involved, probably, or, or a few, I, I don't know. And they arranged a deal, so they, they should just give out the stuff and in turn the sheriffs wouldn't ask for names. And in the evening they brought me my jacket back and some of the other missing things. Almost everything back. That's unbelievable. Wait, so they, they made a deal with the guy where he would give the stuff back and nobody had to say any names? Is that what you said? Well, a part of the stuff was obviously with his friends. And the sheriff said they should put the stuff somewhere where they can get it, but they are not going to ask him for the names. That was the deal. Okay. That's an amazing story. That's an amazing story. Yeah. Wow. Actually, I felt very sorry for the guy. And when he was, he was in his 20s. And I got to know from the sheriff that he has lost his family. He has seen his father shooting himself in his head. He was obviously taking methamphetamines and needing the money to get the drugs. 
And at some point I just walked over to the police car and I felt sorry for the guy and said, one day you will leave this whole shit behind you. You've got a whole life ahead of you. There are other ways to be happy. You could just cycle <laughs> through the world with little money, for example, if you like to do that. But don't waste your life. I mean, you just got one. Actually, he started crying after that. <laughs> so I hope that... I don't know, he has to do his steps now. Wow. Yeah, if every situation like that could be resolved like that, that would be amazing. Yeah. That's true. So what are some of the... Uh, what do you think you're going to miss the most? I'm going to miss the camping evenings. When you find a great spot after a long day riding your bike, you've set your tent, then you know it's done. And then you can just enjoy the food and the evening and the stars. I'm gonna miss that, definitely. That's so beautiful and so peaceful. And it's, I think it changes you somehow. I mean, I've had a stressful life, stressful job, and at some point you, you think it's normal. But I tell you, it's not. We're not made for that. <laughs> it's strange being back in a city. But, well, it's part of our modern lifestyle, I guess. I cannot continue riding a bike forever. Uh, but it's gonna be something I, I will repeat at some point. It's beautiful. Have you been to Los Angeles before? No, my first time. Ah, have you been to the States before? Yes, a long time ago. This was a um, one-month camping trip in a car. Again, in, around the Four Corner regions. It was beautiful. But now I really could enjoy the most by traveling slowly. The Four Corner regions, I'm sorry, I don't know if everybody knows that. Which states meet? Uh, Colorado, New Mexico, Arizona and Utah. There is one point in the states where four states have a common border. That's the Four Corner region. And it's a landmark that you made a point to go to? Just by chance. I was trying to... I like beautiful nature. And therefore I made my, my trajectory going along the Rockies to the Four Corner region and then west. I think it's, it's a, a journey where you get to see the most. Grand Canyon, Yellowstone, Tetons, Mesa Verde, and also some of the small parks, they're nice. Hoventap, the best guys <laughs> there. Uh, the Navajo Nation, Navajo National Monument. Some, some of the parks, they're more busy, like Monument Valley. <laughs> but it's worth to have it seen, at least. And some, they're very remote, peaceful. They're really great. I prefer them, actually. Is your route online somewhere? 
Not really, but I've got a, a paper map where... <laughs> Take a photo of that. Yeah. <laughs> so you've been using, you haven't been, that's how you've been doing all this with a paper map? And I uh, was using some apps. If I had phone coverage, I was using Google Maps, which I think is a wonderful tool. Has a bicycle f- function that's working very well and gives you also the hate profiles. And I was using MapsMe a lot. And there are a couple of others, like Komoot, which is a very detailed outdoor map. I was sticking most of the time to paved roads, so I had no need for outdoor maps. Some people, they, they ride trails, which is a lot harder, but my bike is not made for that. My tires are too... I tried a little bit. <laughs> So do you have an idea of how you're going to live the, from, from here on in? Do you have any insight about how to do things differently? Yes. I think quality of life is important. Going back to a really stressful life is probably not what I'm going to do. I will choose very carefully where I'm going to live and what I'm going to do. Money is not really the thing I'm looking into the most. I like to give a good contribute to society. And actually, one should do what he's best in. That's what makes people happy and helps all the others. Honestly, I'm a chemist. (laughs) A chemist? Yes. Uh, I'd like to work in research and in a beautiful place of course but one cannot have everything sometimes you need to to find the right occasion I don't know what's my future gonna be I'll find out (laughs) is there a way to do like a short version of what you just did, like just fly into a place, take a shorter ride, that would yes. make you happy? Um, I think it's not a good idea to, to go on such a trip without having tried. My, I tried, uh, I took all my holidays that I had left at work and I did what people would call a credit card tour <laughs> across Spain. So I had a, a fast road bike, two little panniers with my few necessities in there. And I've stayed in, in cheap bed and breakfasts. That was actually so great that I came back to work and then the very next day I asked my boss <laughs> if he could give me a year off. <laughs> the answer was no and said, okay, I'm going to quit. I'm sorry. <laughs> What, did he understand? Is he going to rehire you? Does it matter? He he understood for some... Yeah, he understood it. He was just... I remember his face. He was watching up in the air and thinking, yeah, if one can, one should do that. <laughs> but he has two little kids and... Yeah, I don't want to say anything about his wife, but... She commands, so... 
<laughs> He's a poor guy. <laughs> and he probably understood, but he just can't do it. Wow. He's a little bit trapped in his life. So you think he was wishing he could do what, what you did? I think so. Maybe not the same thing, but something similar. Well, Frederick, um, you, this is amazing. And so what are you going to do like in the next 24 hours? I met uh, some guys on the way. They are from LA. And I met them up in Glacier National Park. They were going all the way from Maine to Portland. And we spent a couple of days camping together, riding the same routes. We did Pass Logan, Road to the Sun, beautiful. And they actually invited me to stay at their place in Pasadena. And that's where I'm heading mm-hmm. to today. It's the last, last chapter of the tour. And then you're flying back to Italy. Yeah, I spent a couple of uh, more days here in uh, LA. Mm-hmm. A little bit of sightseeing and relaxing. What are, your, been... what are your friends' names? The new friends that you made? That's Grant. Um, I forgot the name of the other two guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> there were so many names. I wonder. Grant's staying at, at Grant's house. But the others, they are not even here. They, they are back to university now in San Francisco, I think. What are you going to do while you're here? What kind of sightseeing? I have no idea. I don't plan the trip very well. <laughs> so what appears, appears. All right, very cool to see you. It was pretty obvious what you had done just to look at you. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> it, it wasn't a short trip. Yeah. No. <laughs> Definitely not. Maybe I should have a shave now. <laughs> Is there something that you're looking forward to that you haven't been able to do all this time? Yeah, I was struggling a little bit because I wanted to continue all the way to South America. And but I was not sure. I mean, one year is a long time, so I got also a little bit tired. And when I was riding through the desert, Nevada, it was also tough. And at some point I said, no, I'm going to stop in L.A. And I booked my flight back home. But the last couple of days, uh, I felt a bit sorry about that decision. But on the other hand, if I would continue right now, it would not be so intense. Like when I started, every day was, wow! Now I got used to it a little bit. So I'm gonna have a break from the break. See what's going on back home take the decisions I have to take, um, then probably hit the road another, another year, another day, another month, I don't know. <laughs> what are three pieces of advice you would give somebody who wants to start their own journey? Um, do it your way. Don't hurry. It's not about miles. <laughs> People ask me always, how many miles do you do a day? And many riders, they collect miles, but it's their way. It's a different style. If you want to really enjoy it, take your time. (laughs) 
that's the biggest advice. But everybody is a little bit different, so just do not follow anybody else's footprints, do your own. Don't plan too much, it will work out and be strong, leave your sofa <laughs> and the warm television, you won't need it and you won't miss it. <laughs> Some people on the way, they were concerned about loneliness. They saw a guy on a bike alone and they thought it was painful and they asked me how I would cope with loneliness. And that's actually a funny thing because I never felt lonely. I often felt lonely when I was with people, maybe back home. And I realized at some point maybe those were the wrong people. But I found out if you are who you really should be and bicycle touring and staying out in nature makes you become the person who you are, then you're perfectly fine with yourself. I mean, you still remain a social person. You, if you meet beautiful people, it's always a pleasure, but it's not painful to camp somewhere alone. It's nice, actually. I can just recommend it to everybody to try this experience. Did you have any physical problems? Yeah. <laughs> From time to time, but nothing, nothing really serious. Um, in, cycling in the heat is very challenging. In the outback I needed to bring uh, three gallons of water every day and they need to be drunken. And once you start drinking a one and a half liter bottle, you take a sip and it's empty. And you realize, oh, I just have seven left, oh, I need to be careful. It just goes down and I think it matters what kind of water you drink, it needs to have minerals. When you're drinking so much, it really matters. So I added a lot of salt to my food and that was just not enough. I bought some calcium, magnesium, potassium pills, which I had to take not to get cramps. But that's pretty much it. I was afraid of uh, maybe not being healthy or getting a cold on the journey but that hardly ever happens. If you sleep out in nature, you learn, you get to know your body. When your body is tired, you just do less or you stop cycling for a day. You listen to your body and he tells you. He tells you what kind of food he wants. He wants salt, yeah. I, some days I just drank the water of the olives because it was so salty. <laughs> And nothing is wasted, actually. I'm, I'm carrying this stuff, it's heavy, and then uh, drink it. <laughs> you could have been eating at our house recently. I've been putting a lot of salt in our food. <laughs> <laughs> what about your bike? What kind of, what no kind of repair? No issues. Everything that will not last turns out the first week. I adjusted it, it was the front pannier, um, but I found a solution. And uh, I was carrying too many spare parts, too many tools, and I got rid of all that with time. I wore down a couple of chains and two cassettes, but that's it. I lost a bicycle bottle. My mirror broke off one time, but I fixed it. That's it, nothing else. 
how many flat tires did you get? Yeah, maybe seven. But I haven't had flat tires for a while. They start coming up when the tires are worn down, and that's time to replace them. So you stop at bike stores for some of that? Definitely. When you ride in third world countries, you might bring more spare parts and tires. The size I'm riding, which is a 28 inches rim, they're difficult to get. So that's a large tire. Yeah. And one needs to buy heavy touring tires, which last long. Weight doesn't really account to, to the weight you're already carrying, so good tires are mandatory. Okay, let's stop with that. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of the Bike Talk. If you want to hear more, go to kpfk.org, navigate to programs, and choose Bike Talk. On the Bike Talk page, click on the archives link to play or download shows posted in the last four months. Go to biketalk.com and copy or click on the RSS link to subscribe. Our Twitter handle is BikeTalkPFK. On Facebook, we are Bike Talk. You can become friends and join our group.